Welcome to Living Orthodoxy, an invitation to a deeper life in Christ, a podcast of St. Philip Orthodox Church in Souderton, Pennsylvania, dedicated to connecting the liturgical and spiritual life of the Orthodox parish with the life of the Orthodox home, presenting the weekly homilies of our parish pastors, Father Noah Buscelli and Father James Thayer, as well as discussions of the liturgical year and Orthodox life and practice by Justin Gold and Jeff Hyatt. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory to Jesus Christ. In the Gospel reading today, we read of a group of ten lepers who encounter Jesus and plead with him to have mercy on them and to heal them. All the way back in the book of Leviticus, which is the collection of the holiness codes or laws given by God through the prophet Moses when the Israelites were around Mount Sinai, The Israelites were given instructions that are collected in this book of Leviticus on how to rightly worship God. And the instructions are written primarily towards the priest so the priest could teach the people. In Leviticus 19, verse 2, there's this general statement to the people, You shall be holy, set apart, sanctified, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And by the way, this call to holiness is not an antiquated requirement by a harsh and judgmental God of the Old Testament, as some people think. St. Peter repeated this same call to holiness in his first epistle in the New Testament. He wrote, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. Why? Because as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, and here he quotes from Leviticus, be holy for I am holy. So what happens if the people of God become unholy. They become corrupted, unable to rightly worship this holy God. Well, this was the ultimate problem that these ten lepers faced. Yes, there was an issue of physical health, but superseding even this concern was that of their inability to live among the people of God and to come and to worship this holy one who was not like the gods of the surrounding nations. He was different. He was set apart. He was unique. He was holy. In Leviticus 13, we're told that a person who had been determined to have leprosy by one of the priests was to avoid contact with the people of God, much less the the things of worship of God. Leviticus 13, verses 45 and 46, we read this, Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache, his mouth, and he shall cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. And in case we didn't catch it, he is unclean. And he shall dwell alone, his dwelling shall be outside of 
the camp. This issue of being clean or unclean, holy or unholy, was very serious. And while there was certainly an aspect of protecting the health of others by removing the contamination from outside of the camp, the primary focus of the Levitical codes were given so that the people would know how to rightly worship a holy God. You do not bring to God that which is corrupted, is stained, is ill. God is to be offered only that which is whole and pure and holy. In the Divine Liturgy, we hear these words, the holy things are for the holy, and then we respond with the choir, one is holy, one is Lord, Jesus Christ, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. And yet, we, myself being chief sinner among us, we come and we receive these holy things as a gift from the Holy One to his people who all too often are corrupted with the leprosy of our passions and our sins. And with the lepers, we too might cry out before the Holy One, unclean, unclean, Jesus, Master, help us, save us, have mercy on us, and keep us, O God, by thy grace. So who may ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? Who among us can rightly worship this God who is blazing in the brilliance of his holiness? We who are corrupted by our passions and maimed by the brokenness of our own sins and the sins of others? Can we who are fashioned from the dust of the earth approach the Holy One of Heaven? We who are not even fit to live among the people of God? This was the reality of these ten lepers who cried out to Jesus as he approached this village. They were on the outside, stained and defiled by their sickness so that they had to live outside of the town, not daring to approach Jesus, as was a requirement by the Levitical law. They cried out from a distance, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And to these unclean lepers, Jesus lifts his eyes toward them. Now, it's easy to pass by that brief statement, but it's worth pausing on for a moment. When he saw them. How many times a day did these lepers call out to people who were passing by? Asking for food, asking for clothing, asking for supplies, only to have their cries met with a turned head, with eyes averted. They couldn't go into town to buy the food that they needed or the clothes that they needed. They relied on the goodwill of family and friends of strangers to give them what would sustain them. When someone asks you for help, making eye contact is dangerous. I mean, we don't even like making eye contact in the, the aisle of the grocery store with a stranger who's coming our way, much less someone who has an obvious need. Why? 
Because if you make eye contact with them, if you see them, well, now you've acknowledged your, their existence. You've acknowledged their need. And now, in some way, you're responsible to meet that need. This is why we look away when we see a homeless person on the street. But not Jesus. He turns and he looks at us. He sees us. Even in the midst of our corrupted reality. And he does not turn his gaze away. It is, after all, about Jesus whom the psalmist writes, The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desires of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. This is our God, the Holy One, Jesus Christ, who sees us in our humiliation and hears our cries for help and does not avert his gaze, but instead offers healing and salvation. Jesus said to the ten lepers, go and show yourselves to the priest. It's interesting, unlike other situations, this time Jesus did not heal them first. He just told them to go, declaring that they would be clean when they got to the priest. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. I think some measure of faith is being asked for from Jesus and being demonstrated by these lepers. They cried out to him asking for his help, and now they must put their faith into action as they follow his command to go and to show themselves to the priest who would be the ones who would declare them clean. The gospel notes that there were ten lepers. Nine of them were Israelites, and one was a Samaritan. And it was the Samaritan who returned in gratitude to Jesus, while the nine Israelites proceeded on their way to go and show themselves to the priest. So why note that it was a Samaritan? Well, the Samaritans were considered half-breeds, idolaters, outcasts by faithful Jews, practitioners of a Judaic-like religion centered on Mount Gerizim in the region of Samaria, which was between Judah and Galilee. The Samaritan was the last person in a good religious story to be considered the hero or the good guy, typically he would have been the villain. Perhaps you remember the story of the Good Samaritan. Well, at some point after leaving Jesus while he was on the way, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And the gospel says he was a Samaritan. For some reason, perhaps busy planning their newly found futures, the nine former lepers did not return in thankfulness to Jesus. Instead, they continued on their way, presumably being declared clean by the priest. So what inspired their lack of gratitude? I mean, they had received a death sentence with leprosy. Well, we don't know specifically, 
but we do see the gratitude on behalf of the one. It was just moments before that that all ten lepers were required to call out to anyone who approached them, unclean, unclean. And they couldn't have run too far down the road before the Samaritan realized that he had been healed. And yet only he returns to Jesus. The fathers of the church saw in these nine lepers the Israelite people who neither acknowledged Jesus as their Messiah nor glorified God the Father for his salvation through his Son. Instead, they turned their backs on Jesus, even after having received their very life and breath and everything else, they ran towards their own desired futures. St. Augustine cites Psalm 36, 37 in his homily on this gospel reading, where the psalmist writes, the wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. St. Augustine continues, The sinner receives, but he does not return. What does he return? He does not return thanks. What does God wish of you? Or what does God demand of you, save what is good for you? And how great the favors the sinner receives, for which he does not pay. Therefore the sinner shall borrow and not pay again. He shall not repay him from whom he received, nor give him thanks. Rather, for good, he returns evil and blasphemies, murmuring against God, contempt. These nine lepers provide for us an example of how not to live as ungrateful and wicked recipients of the grace and mercy of God. They may have been declared clean on the outside, but their hearts still cried out, unclean, unclean. The Samaritan, however, models for us a heart of gratitude that does not take for granted even our very breath, much less the healing of our souls. He reminds us what it looks like to fall before the feet of Jesus, who does not look away from our needs, but turns his gaze upon us and shows us mercy. St. Augustine ended his homily with these words, and so will I. Let us give thanks to our Lord and Savior, who, without any previous merits of ours, has healed our wounds, made us his friends who were his enemies, redeemed us from captivity, led us from darkness into light, and recalled us from death to life. And humbly confessing our own infirmity, we implore his mercy, so that with mercy guiding us, he who has deigned to give us his gifts and grace may also deign to safeguard and increase them, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit liveth and reigneth, world without end. Amen. Glory to Jesus Christ.